Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Italian stallion, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another fabulous edition of Splinters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. It is a pleasure to be with you once again for what number I do not know. It has become such a worldwide phenomenon here on Splinters. We're doing so many episodes week in, week out, coming to you live on a Tuesday and catching us anywhere via any podcast channel that you like. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking all things sport once again, but we're getting down to the nitty and gritty in this episode, as per usual. We're talking about the summer of sport, and in my opinion, the summer sport uh, globally, and it is, of course, tennis and officially the Australian Open. I, for one, I'm extremely excited to get stuck into this. It's said to be a huge summer of tennis here in Australia before we obviously kick off the season moving forward course i can't do all of this by myself i am joined by what he likes to call himself the godfather of the bench the italian stallion the bull anthony caruso good evening to you sir how long has it been since we've done it you and i've done a show together dom it's been far too long hasn't it it has been far too long and i think the last time we did it was when we were all together for us special splinters birthday edition or yearly edition i can't quite remember which one it was uh, it was it was the no i can tell you what it was it was 52 episodes so it was officially the Splinter's birthday, and it was done over at the Chroma Studios. <laughs> Chroma Studios. The Chroma, yes. sh- the Chroma Caddy Shack, as I like to call it. Yeah, More than a because, studio. Because <laughs> then you've got the DY, of course, you have the DY studio directly across the road. <laughs> <laughs> We're spoiled for choice here, uh, listeners, for all the incredible studios and 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 places around uh, Sydney and around New South Wales and around Australia that we get to call from. Hang on, well, hang on. We've even got a mobile studio, don't we? I think I think we definitely use Sultan. Well, no, the Sultan's able to drive around his mobile studio. I forgot the 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 wagon itself. Yeah, (laughs) the the white wagon itself um, is is what was the birth of one of the great Splinters editions. War and emotional. But we're um, getting well, sidetracked. We, we're getting sidetracked. We, we we're talking about tennis. <laughs> we are talking about tennis. And I have to admit, even though people may not know this about me, but I do have a soft spot for tennis. Uh, it is a. It is quite possibly the the most popular um, solo sport in the world. Oh, absolutely. I think any majority of people you speak to will always get excited about the tennis, and especially in Australia, the Australian Open with with. It's almost kind of like the ashes are really for a lot of people, isn't it? If in the cricket version where, like, you know, you might not be a casual – you may just be a casual fan. It might not be your number one sport, but you always get behind the big events. And this is one of them on the calendar, especially for tennis, obviously. It's one of the big major four tournaments. It kicks off the year in a, in a fantastic fashion, and I'm sure this year it will be no different. So let's get down right to it, Caruso. And you know what? Before we even get into the Australian Open, there's one thing I want to talk about. Let's talk about the pre-tournaments. Right now, the ATP Cup Always is very on. critical. Always very critical to pre-tournaments. And what has been your thoughts on the the dumbing down of many, like a few of the tournaments and more putting more stars into one sort of particular tournament? This has been this is was an originally conje- point of conjecture for me because I was a massive fan of the Hopman Cup. I used to love watching it because it's one of those it's 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 the only mixed doubles team event in the world. It had a very unique place, played out at Perth, mixed doubles. Um, Australia didn't have a particularly good record. I mean you have to think I think I think it was all the way back in the two thousand, the last time we won it, which is when we had, I believe it was a it was Mark Philippusis and Yelena um Jokic, Dokic, who when they won it we had a terrible record in it, but it was a great it was a great tournament you had. On top of that as well, you had, of course, the Sydney International, uh, the Brisbane International, the Hobart International, the Australian Hard Courts in Adelaide, and then the major lead-up events, which was the Kuyon Classic and the Sydney International. They've really condensed it right down to two major leading lead-up tournaments, being effectively the ATP Cup, and for the women, it is the Brisbane International. 
I have to say, I'm a convert to the ATP Cup. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. I, it is. I do. I agree brilliant. too. My only concerns with it is, for me, my, is is that it runs too close to the current and new Davis Cup format that happens at the end of the year. The one thing, one thing is, I think particularly tennis needs to do, which I think a lot of sports that are trying to mold themselves into a, into new formats and trying to please themselves to different audiences. It, it, it's somewhat like Disney making Marvel films. They just they throw it in your face, and there's too much of it at once, and then it gets old and repetitive. What, what happens more, to letting something, letting people want something, like waiting for something? What happened to that world? And not only that, but the, then taking a very successful formula and then repeating it so often that you just you don't even um, you don't you forget what you forget what what it's like to sort of give a little bit of a twist or a reinvention. It's the same old formula, same in, same out. And unfortunately, what they've done is the Davis Cup and the ATP Cup is almost one and the same. Now, if they kept the Davis Cup, if they if they kept the Davis Cup as it was and have the ATP Cup as it is now, I would have thought, you know what? Perfect. ATP Cup, wait, wait. In some way, the ATP Cup is actually more like Davis Cup used to be because at least it's played within different different spots across Australia. So we've had some yeah. games in Sydney, we've had some games in Perth, we've had some games in Brisbane. Um, I had my thoughts on the bench last week with Tony around uh, playing in different areas. But I have to agree with you, the Hotman Cup, I think especially from an Australian point of view, we've got the number one tennis player in the world right now, you know, and we have arguably the most polarising figure in tennis uh in this generation this side of the 21st century no doubt in my opinion in nick kyrgios and of course number one is ash barty we'll obviously get more into those two uh and their future at the world at who, the, doesn't, Australian who, Open. Doesn't love, who doesn't love a good barty party let's face exactly it exactly right and would, who would have thought a better dream combination than putting nick kyrgios and ash barty on the same court yeah, I absolutely. think that would have just been absolute fireworks, and I think that would have been arguably one of the most watched pre-open tennis tournaments uh, the world has probably ever the world has ever, probably ever seen. Could you could you imagine the banter as well on on the court between um, Kyrgios and Barty as well? Because I reckon I reckon Ash Barty Kyrgios would just be the usual class clown that he is, and, and I have to admit I am a Kyrgios fan. I mean, I, he, he, there are times he makes you want to pull your hair out, but then there are just times you just think this is a pure genius you see playing in front of him. And he's got that bit of larrikin class clan attitude about him. And Ash Barty, I reckon, would just be so calm and should be, should be like that, that very highly talented yet condescending cat that if you try and pull something, she'll, she'll just have some sort of very sharp takedown and you'll just go, yes, ma'am. Yeah, exactly right. Well, look, the, the ATP Cup's been obviously a great success. Australia has moved into the in, well, you know, into the semi-finals now, and we're hopefully moving on to the final. Despite yet, by the end, the by the end of this, by the time you've heard this podcast, actually, you would have, you know, hopefully the Australians would have would have won. Um, but you know, what it's, Let's, it's great great performance nonetheless. That I think it's great to see that you know uh, that that Hewitt in particular has got the 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 two top guns in Kyrgios and Dimonor working together. Uh, really well, and they and they love playing playing for each other. I mean that that doubles match that they played against Team G um, GB. Mm. I don't care if Australia doesn't win, didn't win, or how they go. They were sublime. They were absolutely sublime, and you know what? The emotion they showed each other, where how the matter that they played was absolutely brilliant. And I think it, it, there's two things to come out of this. Dimonor has shown absolute steel. He can win a match from anywhere. You you can you have never beaten you have not beaten Dimonor until you've actually beaten him. And he shows a lot of characteristics of Leighton Hewitt in that you never beat Hewitt until you've actually beaten him. Yeah, fighters. He's, absolute fighters. He's he's the one I'll throw you. Kyrgios is at his best in a team environment. Oh, there's absolutely no doubt, and the man has said it himself. He's a big advocate for the for the team sports. He's, you know, he's, he constantly watches it. He says he prefers to watch it over actually watching tennis. It, there's definitely when he put there's no doubting. And I'm not his biggest fan. I'm I'm on the fence still, and I have always been on the fence. I always supported him, but it is like some of his antics, uh, especially overseas last year, were particularly 
poor in my opinion. Um, there's, I think it's a little bit to and fro with this situation between himself and, and the public, but you know, I, I think he is starting to show a little bit more maturity in the last year or so, which is good to see. Um, you know, he's won his first ATP tour, he a match, he won his well, competition, I should say. He's taken it, uh, the ATP Cup by storm. He had a pretty decent Davis Cup until he was controversially dropped uh, while well, recovering from an injury in that game against Canada, um, which obviously didn't work out for the Australians and he ended up losing. Um, but yeah, look, he's a polarizing figure. But let's, you know, that's enough about the ATP Cup because we're here to talk about the Australian Open. And actually, of before we even get into any more tennis, tennis-related actual on-court action, I should say, I want to get your thoughts. The biggest opening talking point of the entire tournament before it even kicks off is going to be the 50-year celebration of Margaret Court's Grand Slam at this year, which will be hosted obviously at Margaret Court. Uh, and of course, if you have been living under a rock, Margaret Court has been under, has fallen out of favour. Uh, let's say the, the Australian public of late, well, let's say the the, the popular Australian pu- uh, public, due, due to some comments on on gay marriage and transgender in sports. Um, she obviously comes from a very religious background. She was a little older, but she is on paper. And if you look at Trophies won, still the most successful women's tennis player of all time. Uh, that's including before the open era of tennis. Uh, and she, you know, like they did with Rod Laver, they're giving her an opening ceremony for her, you know, and a commemoration of her success. But there's been changes. They're not um, going to allow her onto the court. They're going to have her in the stands. Um, it's all Tennis Australia's had to been put them have been put in an awful situation where they really do need to show the quality the equality of to Margaret Court like they did to Rod Laver, but at the same time they need to please those politically um, driven individuals heading into this tournament around in- inclusivity and, and and everything else that is that is tennis essentially. They're they're in a lose lose position on this. Now, on one side, you could say that if they block Margaret Court from from actually coming down and doing a presentation, uh, there are going to be people who are going to be screaming out, "What about what you gave to Rod Laver in terms of uh, in terms of doing this?" And they're going to be screaming equality for women. If they let her come, if they let her come down and present, you're going to then have people screaming bloody murder about the issue about her thoughts around homosexuality and transgender and transgenderism it's it's a lose-lose situation here for, for tennis australia they there is no way in in hell that they will win out of this and i feel sorry for them i feel yeah. sorry that they've been pressed into a corner for them on this and something has to give now my th- my thoughts are is that on this is that you're gonna have to sit down with everybody and come to a consensus. Shut out the noise that is coming from the outside. At the end of the day, this is about the tennis community celebrating a legend of the game on the tennis court. Now, this will mean that you'll have to talk with people within the tennis fraternity who will obviously object uh, stringently to her her beliefs around social um, social issues and and the two that come to mind around that in particular will be one Australian which is um, Casey Delacqua and one arguably one of the greatest female tennis players of all time in Emily Moresmo. Now they are going to have – it's going to be players like them who are going to have – who are going to have a say about what they actually think of the entire situation with that. Absolutely. Well, Martina Navrolova in particular has been very critical of, course. of court's, court's comments. It, it, it's a difficult situation. I, I, for one, obviously do not agree with the comments being made. Um, the transgender yeah. one is a, is a different kettle of fish altogether. Um, social issue or not, but especially with the with obviously the social issues that you were speaking about, Caruso, it, it's it's a difficult one. But I also, what's not a surprise? Like Michael Court is a is a is a woman in her late seventies um, who grew up in a, a totally different time um, and is expected to share the same views as others. It's it, at the same time and to, to diminish at the same time, like you said, it's it's her opinion at the end of the day, and her opinion shouldn't diminish her incredible achievements uh, on the court 
Exactly, exactly. But unfortunately, that's not the world that we uh, live in now because um, the the idea of context has been completely thrown out the window. So, <laughs> yes, the, definitely. The I, I agree with you. What she said was can be charitably described as incredibly distasteful. Uh, but as you say. It's she comes from a completely different generation. We can't ignore the fact that she, her contribution towards tennis as well, once she stepped away from the court, um, is was you know substantial socially. Now you know you wouldn't agree with anything that she would say. Uh, you bring up Martina Navratilova as well, and you know as brilliant a tennis player as she was, and you know you have to remember she was still winning mixed doubles titles as recently as ten years ago, showing the longevity that she's got. You have to remember those two were the biggest of rivals off the court as well. So you know Navratilova coming out and saying what she thought about Margaret Court, you know, on one side, yes, she's right, but on second, it's hardly surprising that she said something as well. No, it's true. Because the two have not liked each other for years. Well, you know, look, I, for one, am quite intrigued to see the reaction on the opening day. It'll be very interesting to see. But one thing, again, I'm going to avoid – we're going to get into – not my – people listening in we're going to get to the actual on court action soon don't worry Jeez, it's we're coming. Teasing. Jeez, it's we're coming we're it. teasing it's coming in but another point that's come to mind literally just now actually i really want to think about this uh, logically now for all those who are listening and we should we should again we send our hearts and our all our emotions out to those struggling in uh, the extreme bushfires that are happening across the country right now as we all can see it, even in the Sydney city itself, how smoky it is, how incredibly dangerous it is for, for so many people out there. Uh, again, we can't stress enough how much our support goes out to those people. I'm not so sure, and I know, and that's not just in Sydney. There's been bushfires in obviously in Adelaide, in South Australia. There's bushfires in Victoria. Now, Rod Laver Arena and Margaret Court Arena can close the roofs, and I think High Sense now can as well. I might have changed the name of High Sense. But day one Caruso, I'm not sure what it's like down in Melbourne, but if these fires continue to produce the, the devastation that they have been so far and, it's a, and it, the smoke is affecting the CBD of Melbourne, surely that's grounds for some players not being able to play in the first round and the, on the courts outside. Well, let's let's put aside the fact that you're going to be struggling to see the ball sometime. I mean, could you imagine? Um, could you imagine if you had you you had to play against Sam Groff, and he's serving his thunderbolts down? You had to see that through the smoke haze. I can tell you what chance you are of actually getting a racket to it. It's zeros and buckleys. So let's put that aside for a moment. Could you imagine what it's going to be like, knowing how hot that court, the ambient temperature of those courts can get? You're talking close to uh, at least 40 to 50 degrees at its absolute worst in center court. Can you imagine what it's going to be like then to have the smoke sitting on top of you as well? You can yeah. probably add about another five degrees then on top. You're going to have players now complaining about um, – Play so. on the court, and yeah, absolutely, rightly so. I mean, I should have think. But what do Australia tennis do? I can tell you right now, Channel Nine are going to turn around and go. You know, why these want tennis? Know, uh, uh, you know, they're going to go. Well, where, where's the tennis? They don't. They don't care. You know, at the end of the day, you know, business as usual for for the big corporations and the big TV companies out there. Channel Nine will be in a will be in a will be in a pickle themselves. You know they've bought, you've already seen, uh, you know Big Bash games called off um, due to due to smoke coming through. You've seen, um, you know already a lot of the A League women the W League games have been called off and you know before the A League games start, but the A League games still go through because guess what Fox are still saying we want our coverage, smoke or not. Where does this you know? Where it, you know, obviously this may not happen, but you know it's sh- surely a possibility and something that will be in the back end of those right. at, uh, in power at the at the Tennis Australia. They're gonna it's, they're gonna have to figure out a solution for this. And they're gonna have to pay very close attention to the weather patterns that's happening in the moment. Thankfully, where the majority of the bushfires are occurring um, in Victoria is more towards east, as more towards um, Gippsland. So it is a fair 
distance away and most of the winds that we've been experiencing as of late have been westerly so most of the wind has actually been pushing the smoke out to sea but could you imagine what it's going to be like if they turn around they get an easterly or dare i say even a northerly and they, they get the they can then get hit by the smoke that's currently coming from the snowy mountains and let's not forget those ones are currently still out of control so yeah. that can blow down. So they're going to have to pay take one very close eye on the weather patterns, and they're going to have to try and figure out what they what they're going to do. It may well be that they're going to be finding that they're going to have to play everything on the three center courts, and they're going to be scrambling for time to try and fit all of these matches in. Uh, but watch this space. This that'll be a work in progress, and I dare say there is going to be some people with not much hair left after the, in terms of the organising committee. Well, that's another thing as well. Who turns up? Crowds get affected. Yeah. You know, you're not going to want to send down your, your kids and you can't see the game because of the smoke. Oh, well, you you can imagine some of the players um, pulling out then as well. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them would actually develop respiratory issues. I, mean, <laughs> I, I couldn't, I can't come out of the top of my head from the from the top thirty, the top thirty two seeds for men or women. But you could imagine some of the wild cards may have a minor asthma issue. Can you imagine trying to play with that with the smoke haze? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It would be it would be an absolute nightmare. Let's pray that it obviously doesn't get like that. We're probably being a little bit uh, pessimistic here, but you know we'd like to here on Splinters like to cover all angles all the time. You know all possibilities. It's uh, it's something that people do need to be wary about. Absolutely, absolutely. So now before we wrap up into uh, part two, it's um, it's Channel Nine second year as broadcasters of the Australian Open. Um, I thought last year they did a, a relatively okay job. Um, they did uh, just you know, okay, just okay, just okay. Just okay. But one thing that I didn't like, and I really hope it doesn't happen again, but I probably will. I it's having Jim Courier and John McEnroe in the same commentary box. It doesn't work. You can't. You just simply it's just, cannot. It's too, it's too alpha dog, and it's a shame because Jim Courier used to be the alpha dog that the other ones used to kind of suck up to, and it was his opinion. And now every time he says something, he has to run it by his mate McEnroe before he can before he can say it, or you know he's agreeing upon, and they argue each other. McEnroe's interview style as well was a little bit. Uh, how do you do? Um, there's various things I didn't really like. There was some cheesy stuff, but all in all, it's Tony Jones. Tony Jones looked out of his depth. Yeah, it did a little bit. It, it maybe it's one of those things you got to get used to. I need to bring some more. You know, it, it's obviously a weird thing because obviously we all know Channel Nine to be a big rugby league and a big cricket organization uh, has been for a very long time, and all of a sudden they you know they've they've dumped what was arguably the best production of sport in the world when it came to the coverage of the Australian summer of cricket and now trying to do the Australian summer of tennis and the ATP it's like you know like where are the priorities you know what I mean like you've, you've taken the gamble but it hasn't really, really worked out you can kind of say the same for seven with the big bash as well uh, look the the thing with Seven and the Big Bash is that they're piggybacking off Fox Sports. If you go and watch the coverage from Fox Sports, it's actually pretty excellent. Um, so I, I would pay no attention to what goes on, on on Channel 7 anyway. In terms of Channel 9's coverage of the tennis, the issue that they've got is um, has been how they've been getting to front it up. Last year they had – I couldn't believe this. They had Tony Jones trying to front the uh, – be the face of the broadcast of the tennis – and then they had Todd Woodbridge be the face of the broadcast for the when Channel 9 still had the Ashes last year. And I'm sitting here and going, hang on a second. Is this the other the wrong way around? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's one other there's one other one I want to throw in before we um before we go and take our um, first break. And there was a real surprise packet a couple of years ago in terms of how good his analysis actually was. And we're gonna, I'm going to bring him back up. We brought him up before. We're going to bring him up back up again. It's Leighton Hewitt. Hmm? Like, the, the best one I heard was him talking about how um, Rod Laver Arena actually has a very slight slant. And so if you play on a certain side, you can 
if you play on one end of the court to the other, you can actually see a very slight lean in the court, and it actually makes a big difference to the way the ball responds, and you have to try and adjust for it. Now I'm sitting here listening to this and going, this is actually really fascinating because this is something you would never have thought of because you just assume that the courts are all level. Mm, but there's well, actually yes. – yeah, that, that actually, you know, actually, you know, I think about it. I've just been sort of sitting here going, like, listening to you. It is actually making me more mad as I think about it. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't Division Seven, you know, Chromo or Marrickville football, where you know there's a hill on one side and you've got to, you know, got to run uphill one half and then run downhill the other. This is yeah. professional sport. There shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a slant. Redo the surface. How hard can it be? Yeah. Just level it up on one side. It's only a couple of millimeters, but a couple of millimeters and professional level makes all the difference. Oh, ridiculous! Absolutely ridiculous. Right. But it's, oh, it I, took someone—it took someone like Leighton Hewitt to pick it up and and enunciate it. I and mean, people would not have given him any credit for it, but it was just absolutely brilliant. It's difficult, I suppose. From a, well, before we could go back, it must be difficult for the professional players because they're so fit that probably during the match you don't—you can't tell. Yeah, you can't tell. Oh well. Luckily, we're not the ones running on that slant, Caruso, because if that was the case, I think we'd probably have a heart attack by now. We would probably be six feet under. Oh, I'd be I'd be running without a I'd be running without a left knee. <laughs> this is uh, the Australian Open edition with myself, Dom Rosetto, and Anthony the Bull Caruso. That was we will be back right after this, and I promise you, we will be talking about on court tennis. Stay with us. The 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and The Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Again, we're here. Don't worry. I told you we'd be back. This is Splinter's Australian Open edition with myself, Don Rosetto, and Anthony the Ball Caruso coming to you f- from the, uh, I don't know what studio it is now, the, the, I like to call it the cloud. The cloud. <laughs> the, cloud, the cloud, the cloud studio, the, well, maybe Cloud Cuckoo Land, because that's where you and I really belong, don't? Isn't it? <laughs> a little bit. Here we are. Our headers are up in the clouds a lot of the time. There is no doubt. Of course, you're listening to us on many different platforms, but our main one, of course, is Triple H 100.1 FM. You can catch this podcast on all the podcasts uh, websites and apps and out should. there. And we should mention as well, of course, our wonderful sponsors, the uh, Magpies Waitara, the Action Attraction of the North Shore, and your AIHL champions, the All About Caring Sydney Bears. Absolutely. Without them, we obviously couldn't be doing this uh, week in, week out. As we mentioned, we're doing Australian Open. It's the summer of tennis. In my opinion, the best summer sport. Not to make any any jests at any other sports, but this is this is a personal favourite of mine. And I did promise we'd be talking more about on court action. Now we Let's obviously went it. through the the ditty gritty boring political stuff in the first half, but now we're going to talk about the Australia the um, the actual players are playing at the Australian Open. And I'm going to get the ball rolling here, Caruso. It's the Australians. We're going to talk about the Australians first up. That's what people want to hear about. That's the people who. That's the those are the players that we all love. And for the first time in a long time, we have an Australian who is in uh, pole position to win this Australian Open. Uh, no, I'm not talking about Nick Kyrgios. And no, I'm not talking about Alex Dimonor. But I'm talking about Ash Barty. We mentioned oh, her at the start of the show. And look, she had a blip at the Brisbane International. I don't think it's going to be... I think it's necessary. I actually think the loss to the wild card was a good thing for her. Saying it now. The loss she had to have. The loss she had to have. Exactly. The loss she had to have. Get it out of your system now. Start again. You gotta remember as well, this is the first time she's actually it's the first time she's actually played in a in a major competitive match since she finished the year as world number one. So um, she enjoyed a couple of uh, a few weeks as she said, sitting on the couch, having a couple of bevies. She said she was gonna do that, she probably did with her boyfriend. You know what? Good luck to her. She deserved it. Now we're back into the scene. Yeah, she had a bit of a scrappy game to start off with for the Brisbane International. But you know what? She'll be better for the run anyway. It's interesting to know, Dom, first off. Interesting to know, first off, she is the number one seed. She's also 
the only Australian seeded on the women's side, the first time that's happened in some time. Uh, and we should also mention as well that there are uh, four Australians who have earned wild cards. And the big name that comes to mind in terms of the Australian wild cards, and I'm wondering why she ended up with a wild card, was Arena Rodianova. Yeah, look, oh, there's a few players out there. Uh, Ayla Tolmovich, obviously Sam Stozo is probably looking to come back for one more year. Um, it, 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 you know, especially Rodonovich, well, she's been in, in and out of the side um, for, for – well, not out of the side, excuse me. Out of, out, out, in and out of the, the, the ATP top 100 for sort of a nump – like every in-season, in-out. She's never really found that consistency that I think most people would have hoped for. Uh, she, but to her credit, she tends to have at least a a good stab at the Australian Open. I think on they, sh- unlike you know Sam Stozer, who only ever really played well overseas. Uh, on our side, Ash Barty obviously won the French Open as well. Oh, so she won the uh, yeah the French Open as well. Um, it's the the, the Aussie girls they've all, they've always played well on Australian soil, but they just never have managed to transfer that to the international stage. And I think that's where they get hit. They start the well. They start the the season well, where they're playing on all the hard courts, and then as soon as it becomes clay grass, they fall away. And then that confidence is gone when he when the hard court picks up towards the back end of the season again with the U.S. Open, and it it just just fills away, and that confidence isn't there, and they're out of the they're out of the they're, you know they're fighting for wild card spots, which is which is draining for a lot of those those players. You know, it's it's hard to break in to a position. Uh, inside, let's say the top 32, where you where you're giving yourself an automatic place in the tournament, where you know where you're not having to play, you're having to play extra matches. So by the time you've gotten to this tournament, you've played double the matches that you know any of the world um, top 30 or 50 have played. So, and then you've got to play those players who are fresh and fit. It's it's a tough gig being a, a, very- a tennis player outside of the you know the the core. Um, stars of the world. It is, a, it is an incredibly tough gig, gig. and yeah, I want to come back to your, your the comment you made about um, the the playing on the particular surfaces because it's been an, an oddity for Australia over the last few years, especially on the women's side. Once upon a time, the women were uh, the Australian women were considered the best on grass, no questions asked. Mm. These days now. We've seen that the real the strength for Australian women in terms of surfaces actually moved to clay, and part of the reason for it is been that a lot of the recent success that we've had with Australian women is that one thing in common. You know what that is, Dom? They've all come from similar court clubs, similar tennis clubs in Queensland that have all been clay based, and it's really unusual for a country that's usually dominated on grass. The two are polar opposites. All of a sudden now we've had Samantha Stoza who had a pretty damn good record at the French Open and then won at um, on the, in the US Open where you can get away with being a clay player. You had Ash Barty win the um, do incredibly well at the French Open herself, but it's clay, clay, clay. You might get away with it that on on hardcore, but we got a Wimbledon. Geez, we we look ugly now at Wimbledon for the Australian women's because they don't have the ability to play on grass anymore. It's an interesting one because the it with the the the, the courts. I think compared to sort of a lot of the sort of female tennis players out there uh, overseas compared to the Australian ones, the Australian ones have all played a variety of different sports. So the extremely good athletes, Ash Barty, yeah. obviously a, a very accomplished, um, F- plays AFL, plays cricket. Um, you know, they've played a variety of sports where, you know, they, they can actually, you know, they've got the fitness to play on clay because you've got to run all day. Yeah. Whereas when you get to grass is different. Grass is fast. It's quick. It, requires power skill and guile and and power as well power and clay is big as well that's why rafa nadal has been so good for so long because he really just has been fit and powerful and he just blows people off the court and especially with the way he plays and the grip that he has but he can create that top spin to keep the ball low um so that it's hard to beat him it's hard to beat him in the backcourt you have to try and win the points quickly but obviously the 
because of the, the ball being a lot slower on clay, it's harder to, to get yourself into that position. Um, it, that's why he's done so well for so long. But that's why the Aussie women's have always struggled. But that being said, as Barty comes into this tournament, she's number one seed. Um, she's the number one in uh, in the world right now. It's She's got a great opportunity. She'll have a great draw. Um, she's probably hoping that the likes of Serena Williams, who's coming back to obviously once again to see if she can win another title. She's higher up this year now that she's won her uh, her um, her seeding back when, on the top of the the various different um, what's it called I should say uh, after having a child. WTA. Yeah, yeah, on the WTA yeah. is her seeding. She she's seeded tenth this uh, this time around, so she'll get a reasonable she'll get a reasonable crack at it this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so she's definitely got a good run. Mm. So I think there's a chance that we could, you know, there's definitely a spot where she could, where she can go. But now let's talk about we're talking about uh, Ash Barty. Let's talk about the, the Aussie guys. Um, Nick Kyrgios, Alex Diminor are the two their favourites there. Uh, John Millman will throw it up. Let's look. Alex Diminor. Look, here's my thoughts on Alex Diminor. Great player, great tenacity, um, has an amazing likeness to Leighton Hewitt. I'm sure in a year's time, if he puts a bit of muscle on, he will definitely be a player of a top 10 quality. But I think this year, once again, he's going to fall a little short. I just don't think he has the same. He doesn't have the power to go to the next level. Not yet. you got to remember, yes. he's only 20. Yeah, he's that is true. only 20. He, he has got lots of growing to still happen. Mm. Kyrgios, on the other hand, he's, 20, he's 24. He's got a little bit of mature, maturing to come, but he's come in leaps and bounds over the last couple of months. Uh, I think these two can cause um, can cause some trouble to the competition. Dimonor, I see winning the Australian Open in four to five years' time when he, hits, when he starts to really hit his peak. What about uh, Kyrgios? What about Kyrgios? Where do I, you see him? I'd see him winning it in a cup. In I could see him winning it in a in maybe not this year, but if he repeats what he's been doing over the last couple of months, I could see him winning it. Um, going close to winning it, if not winning it, next year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm still probably. I think he's got a great opportunity that. to win it this year. I think he'll. He's, he's a little bit of a prediction for. You. Actually, no. Let's hold the predictions. Let's hold the predictions because yeah, yeah. we're already we're already motoring through this this part two here, and we're up to about you know ten minutes in, and we've only only got a matter of you know twenty five minutes to work with. Here's something that I wanted to talk about more than anything else. It is what has kept I think the entire tennis world uh, on the edge of their seats for the last what fifteen years. Yep. And it is the rivalry between Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. It goes it goes in once again uh, as a rivalry. Rafael going in at uh, number one. Roger Federer is at number three. Um, so there's an opportunity for them to meet the final again, the way the draw works. Usually one will face four, two will end up facing three. So Novak will cross with, with Federer. And if, <laughs> if it goes to plan, Nadal will place Alexander Sherev. But I doubt that considering his poor form at Open's uh, seems to be continuing and continuing, continuing. He's not ever reaching that level that he needs to be reaching. He can't serve. Uh, he can't. He doesn't serve. He doesn't have the. He doesn't have the ticker either. Oh. That being said, we're talking about Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal here. It's one of the most intriguing Grand Slams so far in their rivalry, in particular, because it's the for the first time Rafael Nadal has the opportunity to match Federer's record of 20 Grand Slams. And he will become also, again, the first player to win all of the Grand Slams twice. After, obviously, after Sir Rod Laver himself. So it's a really interesting position, but you put yourself in for tennis fanatics out there around the world. If Rafa Nadal wins this, where does the debate go? Well, this is – you can understand Who why is- – who is the best of all time? Who is the GOAT? Who is the GOAT? Um, because the, the debate has been going for years on end. I think Nadal is in position to take it, and there's two reasons why. First off, his record on clay will never be beaten. I've never seen anyone dominate the French Open as much as he has. 
No there is only – sorry? No doubt he's the king of clay. He is the king of clay, and that's where he's based his record off. The only thing, as you said, that's eluded him is a second Australian Open title, and it certainly hasn't been out of want of trying. Um, he has he has made the final – he's won it once. He's made the final four times as well. So he has certainly been there or thereabouts for it. The other advantage that he's got over Federer is the age. Federer is now 38. Nadal is 33. Let's take that into consideration, though. 38. Yeah. 38. And Nadal is 33, did we say? Yes. Federer won his last Grand Slam. I think it was the I think it was Wimbledon or was the Australian Open here a couple of years ago. Was that the last one in 2017 that he won it? I think when he beat it Nadal in the was, five sets? It was Australia, the Australian Open in 2018, yes. He beat, Mar- no, he, he, beat Marin, he beat Marin Cilic in the final. Oh, was there another one after the Nadal one? There might have been after. No, no, I no. Federer, Federer won two in a row. He beat Rafa in 2017, and then 2018 he beat Marin Cilic. And then in 2019 we had Novak again, where he yep. beat... Um, it wasn't Rafa, was it? Or was it Rafa? He beat, no, he beat Rafa in straight sets. That's right. He thrashed him. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That was when Djokovic – that was the sum, summer of the Joker. That's when it was. he went on that amazing run when he didn't lose, Unbeatable. He didn't lose a match um, for about six months. But not only that, you throw him in, in this mix. He's – how incredible Roger – like you throw Novak in the mix to make it even more exciting. But Roger Federer at 38, and this is where you've got to argue yourself. You know, you, you say, you know – Nadal, obviously the king of clay, but let's look at it. If, of, uh, if he does win the Australian Open, 11 of his titles came at the French Open, whereas at least Roger Federer has, you know, won them across the board. Obviously, a French second French Open eludes him, but where does, you know, if the debate, it just it, it really heats up. And Nadal is, you know, with his age, is in the perfect position to overtake it, and you can't argue with numbers. And at the same time, as much as I had him, I'm always preferred Federer as a player to watch. I think he's more entertaining than Nadal is. The way he plays the game, it's more graceful. But Nadal's head-to-head record with Federer is far superior at the same time. The, now, the spoiler, as we mentioned, is is going to be Djokovic, and there's a reason why I'm going to say the, the spoiler is Djokovic. Of the three players, of Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. Djokovic has actually got the best record of the has actually got the best record of at the Australian oh, Open. Yeah, so Federer has won the Australian Open six times. Djokovic has won it. Um, Djokovic has won it seven times, including that run from where he won it three times in a row and five in six years from 2011 to 2016. And you got to remember. Djokovic is on 16 Djokovic is on 16 Grand Slams. If he wins the Australian Open, that takes him to 17 and he's only 3 behind Federer and 2 behind Nadal. Oh sorry, and and one and uh, he's only 3 behind Federer and Nadal. Yeah, it's it's simply insane the numbers that Djokovic yeah. throws up and you know, he wins this, he he goes pretty close to, you know, the numbers of Grand Slams that Federer and Nadal have posted in their glittering careers, and it's you know, it's, and he's a year younger, and he's a year younger than Nadal. Mm, I know. So it's interesting I, as well because if I look at this draw, Rafa has the edge over Federer psychologically, always has. Ever since yeah. he beat him in that that Wimbledon Classic back in 2008, he's always had him. Yeah. Um, whereas I look, but Novak has that over Rafa a little bit. Rafa just can't really beat him. Novak has a much better record against Rafa in recent times. But if I look at Federer beating Novak, yes, Novak has beaten him in some great games. I see Federer as like the only person who could beat Novak. Yeah. So it's like it's a it's a weird love triangle between the three of them. Yeah, it's like who's gonna who's gonna beat who in that entire setup. So um, look. I, I don't think – I think it's not a question of Nadal-Federer. I think it's Nadal-Federer-Djokovic. It's like it, the winner is going to come out of that three for sure. Is there going to be a – is there going to be a spoiler that comes out of there this year? No. 
no one's got the form to say that they are up there to be able to challenge the big three for the men. No, it, as far it, as... you know what it is. It's there's no one who's got the ticker to beat all three or at least two of them. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. We saw it with Titsipas. He got past Federer. He had all the energy last year, and then he came back up against Nadal. He got absolutely, he got absolutely slammed. Because it's and, so hard, though. Because it, it requires the players underneath him. I think people, like, we always forget that in the tennis world, we're actually blessed to have three players who are all so, so very good and arguably the best of all time. If you look back through the, the annals of history, there was very there was very few, if not any, when there were so many, there was there was there was so many of them at the top of their game competing against each other. And 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 and, and you, had, you could throw Andy Murray in the mix. Poor old Andy Murray had to compete against him. Like God, he at least won two. I think he deserved it. But he'd win. Five, he lost five Australian Open finals. Yeah. <laughs> and when you consider it, when you <laughs> like consider as well, absurd, absurd. When you consider as well that you know the last time we had a, a variety of highly competitive players in the men's competition, you remember it was that phase when they were all Americans. Yeah. Here, You've got different nationalities now, yeah. all highly competitive. Uh, and then you go to the women, and then when you look at the women's, well, you know, the women. Oh, well, the women is know, a different story altogether. That's why the women's game is so entertaining, is it because of the continuous. I mean, aside from Serena Williams' dominance, you know, once she does eventually retire, it, I, I don't see anyone coming through who's going to lay claim. Maybe Anomi Osaka has got the, the least of the the physique for it to dominate the women's game quite like Serena has. It's so open. It's unbelievably competitive and you have no idea who's going to win on any given time. You would be a fool to bet any money on an Australian Open women's champion or any women's champion each year because the odds are just you could throw it on anyone. It's a, it's a real it's a real rat lottery. Now, before we go on to the uh, before we go on to our tips, uh, we do have to obviously mention that there is going to be one uh, ver- one very sad announcement of a retirement that will be happening at the Australian Open. It is from the women's side, and it's probably from one of the classiest players we'll see in the entire competition. Is the Dane herself, Caroline Wozniacki. Hmm. So uh, she has announced that she is uh, retiring um, to focus on different challenges in life, including she has um, said that she wants to start a family. Uh, And I think we should all say, you know, we wish her all the very best in her post tennis career so and I think I think one of the best things that for Caroline Wozniacki is is that she did actually win a grand slam eventually not at number one as well which is which is always was always her tag Uh, she always won she did win that Australian Open and she did deserve it because she was world number one so many times so many times because she cleaned up on the ATP tour but as soon as it came to a grand slam she could never get over the line I was probably one of the happiest man fans in the world when she finally won it because there's if you something you love about tennis is that you love when you see that one person. That's why you know Andy Murray wasn't the most popular figure. He was slightly boring. He played great tennis, but he wasn't. You know, he never had the charisma or the or the or the guile of the of the big three. But when he but the reason why people loved him so much was because he was just always there. He was someone different who was challenging those guys at the top. So the you know, when he did eventually win, it was just an amazing feeling for all fans because it finally broke the duck that the three kings had on the tennising the tennising world. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's time, not, is it? No, not not quite. We've got a few minutes left. We've got five minutes, I believe, or four minutes to go. Let's just. I got let's let's do let's do let's do let's do one thing. Let's do one prediction. Let's do one prediction each where we think yeah this is definitely going to happen and let's do one prediction where we think let, let, throw it out there it's you know something could happen it's not really going to happen the world might explode and then you know someone in the top one you know someone you know Leighton Hewitt comes out of retirement and wins the Australian Open something stupid like that. How about that? All right, let's go for it. All right. My number one uh, a prediction and something that I think will happen. I think Nick Kyrgios will reach his best um, performance at the Australian Open, which I believe is a semi-final. I think he will get there. Um, 
and then my absolute wacky total mind-blowing explanation will be let's say let's go to the women's side of things for it i'm gonna say that sam stoza will get past the second round <laughs> that's pretty good. No, no, that, 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 that's, that, that's pretty good. We shouldn't do that to her, but uh, you know, I, I think that's 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 pretty good. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw an absolute. Um, I think that my likely surprise um, to come out come out is actually going to come from the women's side. I think the player who's due for a big tournament this time around is young Madison Keys. I think this is the tournament where I think she really comes of age from the women's side. I know she's seated 13th, but she they've spoken about her as the heir apparent to Serena Williams. This is the tournament, I think, where she now steps out of Serena's shadows. Yep. Yeah, I could I cop that. Yep. And I'm going to throw you – I'm going to throw you an absolute howler, and I think Roger Federer – is the one who fails from the big three to make round uh, week two. Ooh, I think. I, I think his age. Now, I think his age is is going to finally start to catch up on him. Yeah, which is true. But he hasn't played much tennis. As, he hasn't played much tennis in the lead up either. Hasn't yeah. obviously played the Davis Cup, but hasn't played much of the AT. He hasn't played any ATP Cup. I doubt you'll see him roll out for the Kuyong Classic or the Sydney International. He um, uh, yeah, I doubt so, yeah, he'll be coming in. He'll be coming in a fresh as a daisy, as they say. But, but again, Roger Federer will, of course, be on a high alert heading into this Australian Open. And, uh, and again, what could be his last? Who knows? You never know with the great man who, who again, continues to mystify the world of tennis. That is, of course, though, unfortunately, all we have time for. The Australian Open does kick off, I believe, on January 20 is the opening round um, when it begins. I'm very much looking forward to it. Unfortunately, the first few days I'm going to be in the States, so I'm not going to actually get to watch it at a respectable time, which is unfortunate, but I definitely will be keeping it up with it, and I'm sure uh, all of you are listening in will be keeping up to date with it as well. Anthony Caruso, a big thank you to you once again. It's a pleasure to have you alongside me during these Splinters episodes. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to talk about this. I think I've probably surprised you in terms of how uh, – how much I actually do follow the uh, the tennis. I don't think you were expecting that, were you? Again, your analysis was was full of quality and quantity, as the Sultan Tony Dawson would say. Again, Caruso, big thank you to you. Big thank you to all of you listening out there. Of course, you can catch us. If you didn't catch us right now, you can catch us on all your podcast formats. That'd be iTunes, Spotify, podcast.com. It list goes on. Again, if you want to listen to every Splinters episode, you can go on and download them all and relive all the, the action and attraction that we, we put on here um, at uh, Triple H 100.1 FM, which is where you're listening to it right now. And, of course, make sure you tune into the bench this Friday at 6 p.m. to hear all the sporting results from the world, country, and the local scene. My name is Don Mazzuto. It's been a pleasure with you to be with you once again. Until next time, stay sharp and play pretty. Good night. <laughs>